in this week's market update. Earnings season looms large as investors look for signs that the bear market is approaching the low point. Just over nine months into 2022, the year is shaping up to be the worst since the financial crisis and the dot-com bust. There's been nowhere to hide, with only cash really providing a port in the storm, as central banks' failure to act on inflation early enough has forced them to raise rates further and most likely for longer than investors had hoped. The S&P 500 is now down by more than 25% year-to-date from its high of 4,800 at the start of 2022. The retreat to today's 3,500 or so puts it in the top rank of market corrections. It's been a tough year as expectations of the peak in US interest rates have risen progressively to the current 4.7% sometime in early 2023. As rates are still only between 3 and 3.25%, there's still some way to go, and a fourth 0.75 percentage point hike in November to nearly 4% is now baked in. That's the bad news we know about, and which may now be priced in, with bond yields sitting between today's interest rate and the expected peak. Stock market valuations have fallen in line with rising bond yields and investors are now prepared to pay just 15 times expected earnings rather than the 23 or so at the peak. That's a significant valuation reduction, which suggests that most, if not quite all, of the multiple compression may now be over. What remains uncertain is the other half of the price calculation because the level of the market or an individual share price is always the combination of that valuation multiple and the actual earnings that the market or a company delivers. This week, we'll start to get the latest update on the earnings situation, with third quarter earnings season kicking off, as usual, with a flurry of bank results, starting on Friday with Citi, JP Morgan, Morgan Stanley and Wells Fargo. Earnings season is always important, but never more so than this quarter, because forecasts have held up better than many expected. If the analysts are right, the market may have fallen enough. If they're too optimistic and the next few weeks deliver a string of disappointments, we should expect the market to fall a bit further yet. This combination of valuations and earnings tends to magnify the swings in the market. If the valuation multiple is rising and earnings are growing too, the markets can be turbocharged higher but a falling valuation multiple alongside lower earnings can have the opposite effect. To put this into the current context, a disappointing earnings season leading to investors only being prepared to pay, say, 13 times earnings could push the S&P 500 below 3,000. Expectations have already come down a bit, but the forecast remains that earnings will grow in the third quarter, albeit helped significantly by the energy sector. Elsewhere, the picture is less good. And one key wildcard this time around will be the high level of the dollar. Like the FTSE 100, the S&P 500 is a pretty international index, and much of the earnings of America's biggest companies are made overseas. A strong dollar means those earnings are worth less on translation back into the US currency. We'll also get a key insight this week into a third element of the market puzzle, Where next for interest rates? Although earnings and valuations drive the market in the medium to the long term, 
in the short term, sentiment can be significantly impacted by expectations about monetary policy. Last week, for example, we saw the market rally sharply on hopes that the Federal Reserve might hold back on monetary tightening, only to fall sharply at the end of the week when stronger-than-expected jobs and unemployment data pointed the other way. Second-guessing the Fed is still the key driver of day-to-day market movements. Well, this week, we get to see the minutes of the US Central Bank's September meeting, when it hiked rates for a third time in a row by 0.75 percentage points. These minutes should give us some insight into the current thinking at the Fed. What everyone in the markets agrees is that what investors really need is a sign that the Fed is closer to peak tightening than they thought. So, what does this all mean for the market today? Well, probably that the market is close to the bottom, but not quite there yet. However, a key thing for investors to bear in mind is that the market and the earnings cycle march to a different beat. Share prices and the market as a whole tend to anticipate the real economy and the outlook for companies. The market always moves first. And the gap between the two cycles can be quite lengthy. Share prices can bottom a good six months before the low point in the earnings cycle. So, waiting for the news to be as bad as it gets can leave an investor running to catch up. By the time earnings hit bottom, the market may have been rising for some time. This is why, counterintuitively, with the news all around us looking pretty terrible, now might be the time to start getting positive about the market outlook. There is certainly plenty of bad news around at the moment, notably here in the UK, where the government's dash for growth in the Chancellor's September the 23rd mini-budget has caused all sorts of problems. For the pound, for the cost of borrowing for the government as gilt yields have risen, and for pension funds, for which complex derivative strategies to manage risk have gone badly wrong. The Bank of England was forced to step in as a buyer of last resort to prop up fixed income markets a couple of weeks back, after pension funds scrambled to sell what they could to meet calls for higher collateral against those derivative contracts. Unfortunately, the bank's support was always designed to be a short-lived sticking plaster, and it comes to an end this Friday. The bank has moved to expand its support this week, but no one is quite sure what happens when or if it withdraws its help in four days' time. Meanwhile, the Chancellor of the Exchequer, whose unfunded tax cuts nearly three weeks ago created so much market turmoil, has been forced to bring forward his planned full budget from November the 23rd to the end of this month. In an uncertain world, the UK remains one of the most uncertain places of all. When interest rates rise as quickly as they are currently, the impact can be widespread and unpredictable. For example, the commercial property market is seeing significant withdrawals in a worrying echo of the shuttered real estate funds in the wake of the Brexit vote six years ago. The woes at Credit Suisse have also been a worrying reminder of the credit crunch that triggered the financial crisis 14 years ago. As they say, when the tide goes out, you get to see who's been swimming naked. But it's not all bad news. This week, for example, sees Japan finally reopening its borders to tourists after a long Covid shutdown. One of the cheapest markets in valuation terms, Japan looks like an interesting contrarian opportunity as life gets back to normal in what is still one of the world's biggest economies. 
In China, too, this weekend's promised re-election for a third term of President Xi could settle nerves in a market which has been struggling in the face of an ongoing property slump and a damaging zero-Covid policy. With the politics settled, the economy might follow. So, the old adage about not becoming more bearish as the market falls is as true today as it's ever been. The time to become more optimistic is when everyone else is gloomy. We may not be right at the bottom just yet, but we're surely not far off. Please note that the value of investments and the income from them can go down as well as up, so you may get back less than you invest. Investors should note that the views expressed may no longer be current and may have already been acted upon. This information is not a personal recommendation for any particular investment. If you are unsure about the suitability of an investment, you should speak to one of Fidelity's advisors or an authorised financial advisor of your choice. Overseas investments will be affected by movements in currency exchange rates and investments in emerging markets can be more volatile volatile than other more developed markets. Reference to the specific securities should not be construed as a recommendation to buy or sell these securities and is included for the purposes of illustration only. Tax treatment depends on individual circumstances and all tax rules may change in the future. Withdrawals from a pension product may not be possible until you reach age 55, 57 from 2028. This podcast may not be reproduced or circulated without prior permission. No statements or representations made in this podcast are legally binding on Fidelity or the recipient. This podcast is meant only for UK residents and does not constitute an offer or a solicitation in any jurisdiction in which it may be unlawful to make such an offer or solicitation.